it's time for you all to wake up and shift your paradigm. This world is the kingdom of darkness and we are living in its last days. It won't be long before the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and everything therein shall be burnt up. The Luciferian elite have been setting up the new world order and now they've established the globalist beast system for the rise of that wicked one and revealing of the man of sin who comes after the workings of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible and you'll know that perilous times shall come in the last days. And we are in the last days. sisters and welcome to another edition of the remnant report i am your host the remnant warrior and today we have got an absolutely fantastic episode lined up as you all know my first book was exposing the origins and history and practices in Jewish mysticism, otherwise known as Kabbalah. And we're starting a series on the Remnant Report that is going to be about 12 parts long, so that means 12 episodes. And we're going to have Dan Duvall breaking down the Kabbalah in a way that, in truth, I couldn't, I don't think that even in my book did I break down the Kabbalah as much as Dan does in the 12-part series that 
he has on the Kabbalah, he goes from the very beginning and explains absolutely everything, including one of the most important aspects of the Kabbalah that I did not cover in my book, and that is that the Kabbalah tree, the it, it's called the Sephirot tree or the Sephirot tree, is literally a template for programming that is used in satanic ritual abuse. And for those of you who don't know, um, my partners here at the Kingdom Productions Network uh, or two of my partners, uh, Jeremy Stone and John Bryson, um, the hosts of the podcast by their fruits are doing, or, or they're recording it. I don't think that it will be published today, but they are recording a huge roundtable discussion episode on sleep paralysis and satanic ritual abuse is I think going to be one of the things that they discuss but in any case even if they don't um, a lot of people who suffer from sleep paralysis are victims of satanic ritual abuse and as you listen to Dan explain the Kabbalah and especially how it is used in the programming of the victims of SRA, you will come to understand just how much this is connected to what Jeremy and John and all of the the people who will be taking part in the roundtable discussion today will how much it truly is connected to what they are discussing unfortunately this is all the time i have to record anything for this episode because as we speak and as i'm recording this my wife is in the hospital with her heart and you know as much as i know and that is the truth you know all all i know at this point until we get test results back is that 
she's got something going on with her heart. So please remember my wife in your prayers. Please remember Brianna. She desperately needs your prayers. And I thank you all in advance for them. And so it is now, without any further ado, that I introduce to you and turn things over to Brother Dan Duvall from Bride Ministries International. Well, now we are here, and this week we are going to be beginning a series called Exposing Kabbalah, Exposing Kabbalah, because what you're going to learn is that Kabbalah is not good, <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is going to be a tough series. It's going to be tough, right? It's going to step on toes. It's going to make people upset. I will probably get accused of one or two things, not nice words, because this message is going to offend people at the core of certain beliefs that they've assumed are of God, and they're not. As a matter of fact, many times we don't know what the source is of all of the things that we hold fast to. Like, where did that, did that belief really come from? Right. And, and what we don't realize is how much of the body of Christ has been infiltrated by Kabbalah. As a matter of fact, we don't even know what it is. Some of us do. Most of us don't. Most of us don't. And it has become ever so clear to me that it is time for this thing to be explained and exposed. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for this day. It is the day that you have made, and we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. We are going to enter your gates with thanksgiving and enter your courts with praise. We pray that tonight we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying, as well as hearts to understand. We pray, Lord God, that your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ would enlighten the eyes of our understanding that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches and the glory of your inheritance in the saints. We thank you for a grace to communicate. And Lord God, we thank you for breakthrough, insight, and Lord God, the advancement of your kingdom in our lives and belief systems. We call these matters settled and also speak that all ungodly and unauthorized astral traffic and trade is shut down during this meeting, that your angels are armed and weaponized, Lord God, and that all parts and demonic spirits going out into the astral realm to hold hands to create demonic frequencies and to execute various forms of wickedness and harassment are immediately shut down, arrested in place at the feet of Jesus in droves. Lord God, we call these matters settled in Jesus. Amen. Um, so we're going to start at the beginning. And guys, let me, let me tell you something, okay? 
<laughs> YouTube, let me tell you something, okay? This is what you call a series. A series means that four weeks from now, if you don't know what I'm talking about today, you may be drowning. So take notes. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to progress through a whole lot of material over the next, I don't know how long we're going to be here. It may, it may be four weeks, maybe eight weeks. We'll see how the spirit is leading, but it's going to be building. We're going to be building, right? We're going to be building and it takes time to build. And you have to actually take the journey. If you jump in <laughs> four weeks, five weeks from now, you know, that might not be the best time to invite people to Bride Ministries Church for the first time. <laughs> okay. Unless you get the recordings and say, listen to this first. So <clears throat> we are talking about exposing. Now, I'm going to start with a passage of scripture because we are at church. This is what it says. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. That's not good. <laughs> doesn't want you to put up with that stuff. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses one through four. Right? So what we do not want to do is we do not want to put up with different things, a different Jesus, a different gospel. Now, why are we talking about Kabbalah and exposing Kabbalah? Answer, because it's influencing a whole lot of streams in the body of Christ right now. And we'll get to those later. Um, but what Kabbalah is at its core is the ancient so-called Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible. first transmitted orally and using esoteric methods. Kabbalah is an esoteric method, discipline, and school of thought that is said to originate in Judaism. Okay. Now, having said that, I am going to tell you this. We are going to learn why Kabbalah at its core is a doctrine of demons and a revealing of the government of Lucifer. We're also going to learn why it is a programming template for survivors of satanic ritual abuse. And we're going to even look at how the Kabbalah narrative of the end times has profoundly affected international politics and even the policy of the church. Are you ready for this? 
So th this has been something that has been on my radar now for years. And I'll tell you, my introduction to Kabbalah and the Kabbalah tree actually came by way of working with survivors. What do I know about Jewish mysticism? I don't care about what rabbis teach, right? I, as a matter of fact, probably like many of you, I think, or at least I used to think, that Jewish rabbis just teach the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I want to ask a question here, just in the chat, right, here in Zoom. How many people here assume that Judaism is simply the study of the Torah and the rest of the Old Testament? People do believe that, that it's not really anything more than that, that our Jewish friends are just teaching the Old Testament. Right. And, and so they don't get the New Testament and they don't get Jesus. But if we just explain that Yeshua is the Messiah and show them in the scriptures how he fulfills hundreds of messianic prophecies, they should just get it. Like, why, are, why is anyone confused? The truth is, Judaism is not that simple. Not at all. They, 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 the Judaism is not solely based on Torah and Old Testament. Okay? It's not. It's a very different religion. It has evolved. What we call Judaism today is not Judaism of 2,500 years ago. It's not, not the same at all. It's very different. And I don't know that even they necessarily know that, but some do, and especially the ones that are initiated. <laughs> now, back to me. I don't know anything about Kabbalah. All I know is that I'm working with survivors, and eventually I begin to run into something. And I, and I first ran into this thing with a certain person that was trying to explain to me that their heart was in some kind of a death portal. And I was trying to take their heart out of the death portal, right? <laughs> Good Christian deliverance, right? Problem, problem solved. Like, you know, you have demonic bondage, Jesus will fix it. Well, guess what? I absolutely failed. Couldn't get the breakthrough for anything. I'm like, how do I get the heart out of the death portal. How do I desynchronize this thing? I tried everything. Living water, angels, the name of Jesus, armies of heaven, blood of Jesus, oil of anointing, praying loud, praying soft, praying louder, even louder. Yell like every had a, well, you know, freedom from principalities, freedom. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. And so, you know, I tried working with parts and tell me what's going on and this and nothing, right? And then I run into stuff similar with other people. And I was like, what is going on here? You know, and, and I can't tell you guys how many times I've found myself on the losing side of the, the, the battle where it, it, it's like you run into a problem and I don't know what to do. And I don't know 
who to call either necessarily. It's like, I don't know who knows the right answer to this. And I ask questions sometimes and, you know, people throw their two cents in. And so you try it, right? Like, well, is this going to work? And it doesn't work. Some of you have been on this road. Some of you have been on this road. It's like, you know, you're stuck on stuff. You don't know what it is. Well, I investigated it more. And I began to call this thing that I was dealing with the template. Because I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was some kind of cosmic structure that was interfacing with this person in a very complicated way. And that's all I knew. And I ran into the same template with more than one person. And every time I would hit the template, I'd throw in the towel. I'm like, I, 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 I understand that we're hitting something right now. And this is what you're telling me, but I can't help you with this. I've run into this before. I never get it. <laughs> and you know, you're really hitting something that's tough because I will be talking to someone and we'll be working with Jesus on the inside of them. And Jesus will be standing right there. And it's like, you know, he's standing there and here's the problem. And it's like, Jesus, can you just take the problem away? And he's like, nope, can't do it. Now for some Christians, that's heresy. Well, the, most of those Christians aren't working with Jesus like I am. So <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I, we're on the front lines. The rest of y'all can just shut your mouth. This is real though. This really happened. And, and it was like, okay, so, you know, we try to work out mechanics and we get a piece here and a piece there. So it took me years to finally figure this whole thing out. And eventually we started getting the breakthroughs on the so-called template. Guess what it was? The Kabbalah tree. <laughs> the Kabbalah tree, right? And so I had become aware that programming was anchored against the Kabbalah. And we're going to, because I'm going to show you some pictures and we're going to, you know, talk about this. But um, that's where I really knew, like, this is a big problem. The Kabbalah tree is a big problem. And, um, but even when I began to understand the significance of the Kabbalah tree, relative to programming and even its cosmic implications, guess what I didn't understand? That it was literally a foundation stone of Jewish mysticism because I hadn't studied Jewish mysticism. So I don't know the connection. Now we're gonna take a journey because this stuff is so dark and so scary. And, and, and this is what I realized. The more I search out Kabbalah, and, and, and it's from the angle of how can I help people get healing and deliverance in Jesus' name, right? The more I search out this belief system, the more I find it at the center of global conspiracy. <laughs> so let's talk about it, right? Break it down piece by piece, right? I already gave you a definition of Kabbalah. Now, it is not possible to discuss Kabbalah apart from a conversation on what is called Judaism or simply Jewish doctrine. Again, some Christians think that Judaism is simply a study of the Old Testament, but it is not that simple. Jewish doctrine regarding the Old Testament comes from two primary sources. 
One of those sources is the Babylonian Talmud. And the Babylonian Talmud, and if you're taking notes, write this down. It is a commentary on the Mishnah. What's the Mishnah? The Mishnah is the first major written collection of Jewish oral traditions known as the Oral Torah. It is also the first major work of rabbinic literature. So when it comes to Jewish doctrine, this Oral Torah is considered by some to be as divinely inspired as the Old Testament itself, which means when we're going to learn what we believe, we're going to go to the Talmud, not the Old Testament. This is like being a Christian and saying, I'm going to learn my Christian doctrine from the Book of Mormon. Okay, it, it's the oral Torah. It's not what God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. We have to understand that. And the Talmud is the commentary on the Mishnah. Okay, so this is a big, big cornerstone in Judaism. All right, next. Um, this Talmud has so much commentary and so many arguments they actually call it the Sea of Talmud. Now, the second major source of Jewish doctrine in Judaism comes from Kabbalah, which in itself means to receive. But Kabbalah, it... it, it um is a collection of Jewish esoteric books whose primary texts include Zohar, otherwise known as the Book of Splendor, Sefer Yetzirah, otherwise known as the Book of Formation, the Book of Mysteries. <laughs> Check this out. The Gate of Reincarnations. That's actually one of the books in Kabbalah. The Gate of Reincarnations. Why? Because reincarnation is a doctrine of Kabbalah. Wonder why. Um, also, a book known as Three Enoch, which is not to be confused with One Enoch, one Enoch is a text in the Pseudopigrapha that confirms many of the statements about the pre-flood world in Genesis while adding a whole lot of detail. Three Enoch is completely different. You all following me? All right. A few of you are saying that I am a little blurry. I am using a brand new camera that's supposed to be better than the camera I had. I'm going to um, pull up my um, camera controller and see if I can 
fix it. But tell me, does that make it any better or clearer for those of you in the chat? No. Um, made it a little worse, huh? All right, well, I do not have an assistant here, but I'm going to do one thing. I'll bet that's going to help a lot. How's that? Better? I think there was too much light. That's what you get for using a new camera, Dan Duvall. <laughs> All right, so we're doing a little better. Let's continue. Thank you for that. Uh, so, so we have one Enoch and we have three Enoch. Totally different books. Three Enoch is part of Kabbalah. Now, when you add all this stuff up, Zohar, Sefer Yetzirah, Book of Mysteries, Gate of Reincarnations, Three Enoch, you know, um, one may want to think, oh, maybe that's just, you know, an infiltration of Judaism. It's probably easily separated from genuine Judaism, which is just a study of the Old Testament and a, a glance at the Mishnah from time to time. Well, in, in their own language, that, that's, that's a negative. As a matter of fact, we're going to take a look now at um, a slide that I have for you. All right. So I went on Kabad.org to consider the situation. And on Kabad.org, I read, the Kabbalists called Jewish mysticism the Pardis, meaning the garden. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you see a beautiful flower in a garden, you may have the urge to pick it up and take it home to enjoy its beauty, but a flower won't last long out of its natural habitat. Once it is disconnected from its life force, it will very quickly wither and die. Taking Kabbalah out of its Jewish context and removing it from Jewish practice is like picking a flower from a garden. It looks beautiful and smells nice for a while, but soon it starts to wither, rot and stink. Kabbalah is a living, breathing spirituality that is nourished by the rich soil of Jewish wisdom and practice. But those who are calling it a separate religion for the obvious reason of gaining a wider audience are turning something deep and holy into just another passing fad. It looks good, creates a stir, but won't last. While one can taste the teachings of Kabbalah, even without being particularly observant of Judaism, you can't detach it from its source. Kabbalah is the heart of Judaism. Okay, so now you know I'm not making this up. Kabbalah is central to Judaism as it exists in the world today. Book of Formation. Gate of Reincarnation, Three Enoch, central, whether you know it or not. Okay, so we're just breaking it down. I'm going somewhere with all of this. This is, this is very important. Now, I read you that we need to talk a little bit about Pardis. Now, that was quoted in the a little slide I showed you. What is Pardis? It, it is um, spread out to paradise. And it is known as the four levels of interpretation of Old Testament text. It's 
four levels, right? So parties is Peshat, it is Remez, Drash, and Sad. This is the, that Peshat means the surface reading of the text. That is what they consider the most basic and, uh, you know, who cares about that, right? Maybe that's over, over, overage, but um, Peshat is the surface. You, then you move down to what they call Remez, which is what the text is implying beneath the surface. So there's another level of interpretation. Then there is what they call Drash. This is the Midrash and the writings of the sages. So, so you're actually going deeper when you begin to look at what the Jewish sages have written about things. And then they have a fourth level, which they call Sad or secret. Secret, right? What is Sad, the secret? Answer, it's the Kabbalah, right? So the deepest thinking and most spiritual rabbis are going to be initiated into Sad, which is Kabbalah. Get it? That's the deepest part of the study of the religion. So if you're just reading the Old Testament to understand the law and then to apply it to your life, you, you are a very, very basic student of Judaism. I mean, it's like not even, you know. So, so, so the whole goal is to get to Kabbalah where, where you can begin to understand this thing. Now, moving on. This might sound a little romantic. You may say, oh, well, you know, I don't even understand. I've never read the Zohar. I've never read the Sefer Yitzira. I mean, how, how harmful can this body of text actually be? <laughs> so I'm going to introduce you to some of the most astute students of Kabbalah. Are you ready for this? Who wants to know an astute student of Kabbalah? All right. And we're going to talk about it. The first one I will introduce you to is named Eliphas Levi. <laughs> Eliphas Levi, for those of you that do not know, led the occult revival of the 1800s that revived Satanism and Luciferianism. He wrote many books about ritual magic and how to have contact with demonic spirits. Who wants to take notes from this guy, right? So here he is, Eliphas Levi. <laughs> He was a French occult altar and author and ceremonial magician. He has attempted to translate or transliterate his given name into the Hebrew language. Now, why would he care about translating into the Hebrew language? <laughs> Probably from his studies of Kabbalah, right? So here's some of his stuff, life work. Oh, look at that guy, Baphomet, huh? Yep. You could read all about this guy. He wrote all these highly, highly occult books. The Science of Spirits, the key to the great mysteries. I mean, this guy is really, really dark. And um, he was totally involved in study of Kabbalah. So I will leave you to do your own research, okay?
Number two, <laughs> who else is on our list of um, highly influential folks in the area of Kabbalah? McGregor Mathers. Now, McGregor Mathers was one of the three founders of the Order of the Golden Dawn. And he was also a mentor of one of my least favorite people, Aleister Crowley. Now, what kind of a student of occult arts does it take to mentor Aleister Crowley, one of the greatest occultists, so-called, of the last century, right? So here he is. Um, oh, goodness gracious. I had, a, I had a window for him up and it disappeared. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to him. I'm, I'm going to share a few other guys. I'll, I'll put his name in here. McGregor Mathers. And this is for all of you that would like to look into him a little bit more. Now, another student of Kabbalah, very famous, Helena P. Blavatsky. Now, for those of you that do not know who she is, Blavatsky's writings garnered the materials of Neoplatonism, Renaissance magic, Kabbalah, and Freemasonry, together with Egyptian and Greco-Roman mythology and religion, joined by Eastern doctrines taken from Buddhism and Adyaita Ven—I don't even know how to pronounce it. Vedanta to present the idea of an ancient wisdom handed down from prehistoric times. That's according to historian Nicholas Goodrick Clark. She believed that the Jews, through books like the collection of Kabbalah, had stolen books of black magic that had previously come from the Chaldeans. She is the one who formed the Theosophical Society with another gentleman, um, which Alice Bailey was aligned with. And for those of you that don't know about Alice Bailey, she was the one who channeled Dual Kool, an ascended master, established the Lucifer Trust, now known as Lucius Trust, and was the force to deploy the term New Age and also spoke about the coming of the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Home run hitters, right? So uh, we could take a quick look at her. I'm, I'm telling you, it is not a pretty sight. I want you to take a quick look at this when we talk about the logo for the Theosophical Society. What do you see in this logo of the Theosophical Society? Answer, the same star you see on the flag of the nation state of Israel. <laughs> with an onk on the inside of it, a <laughs> swastika at the top, which is an egg, which the eternal serpent wraps himself around, consuming his own tail, which is also a connection to the Ouroboros, which then makes a connection to Orion. All right. What is she trying to tell you? So I will leave you all to do your own research. Now, I'm going to talk about a few other heavy hitters. 
<sighs> A E White. Wait, A E White wrote occult texts on subjects including divination, esotericism, Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, and ceremonial magic, Kabbalism, and alchemy. I want you to think about that. Why would you be writing about Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, and Kabbalah? Answer, because Kabbalah is actually central to all of those occult arts. Here's a picture of this guy, A.E. Waite. Um, American British poet, scholarly mystic. He is the co-creator of the wider rate tarot deck. Interesting, he was in an ongoing feud with Aleister Crowley. He also was a co-founder of the Order of the Golden Dawn, or a joiner of the Order of the Golden Dawn, excuse me. Um, and so <laughs> I would um, highly recommend that you uh, do your own research. This guy wrote the book, The Holy Kabbalah. In 1929, eight years after writing his book on ceremonial magic, or uh, 18 years, and seven years or eight years after writing his book, A New Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. So he was building up. <laughs> this is real talk. This is stuff that we need to know. Why? Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you can't begin to believe how much of the belief system of Kabbalah and its assertions have moved through different streams of Christianity. All right, next on the list, Manly P. Hall. Now, how many people may have heard of that name before in your study of Freemasonry, right? Because Manly P. Hall was a very high-ranking Freemason. What is Manly Hall P. writing about? Kabbalah. Kabbalah, Kabbalah, Kabbalah. Here's Manly P. Hall. He is best known for his book, The Secret Teaching of All Ages. Um, he wrote The Lost Keys of Freemasonry. Of course, he was a member of the Rosicrucian Fellowship as well. Bad, bad news. The Secret Teaching of All Ages, an encyclopedic outline of Masonic, Hermetic, Kabbalistic, and Rosicrucian symbolic philosophy. Any questions? Right? I'm just trying to help you to see how deep this goes. Because we, we begin by, Dan DeVos is trying to help survivors to, wow, we're running into this 
template, it's holding people in bondage. Next thing I know, Jewish mysticism. And now I'm in Alice Bailey, Manly P. Hall, Albert Pike, Eliphas Levi territory. <laughs> What's the thread running through all of it? Kabbalah. Kabbalah. So even before I get much deeper into this, I'm sure that many of you would be able to understand my absolute overwhelmingly negative response when I saw some people <laughs> holding a Christian conference called Zohar Illuminated. I, I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, I, I'm just saying, whoa, what's happening here? Now, here's another one, Albert Pike, author of the book, Morals and Dogma. Morals and Dogma. Um, Albert Pike is an American author, poet, orator, jurist, prominent Freemason. I'm going to share this with you. In his celebrated and controversial guide, this comes from masoncode.com, to the degrees of Scottish Rite Freemasonry, Albert Pike devotes a considerable amount of space to Kabbalah, calling it, among other things, the key of the occult sciences. Reading his account of Kabbalah in the compendious chapter devoted to the esoteric 28th degree, Night of the Sun, there can be no doubt that he was an ardent devotee of sacred geometry, numerology, and gematria. All right. I'm, I'm out there, right? Right now, we're just in fact land. I'm not teaching anything. I'm just reading you stuff. I'm just reading you. So I'm trying to give you some keys. Do your own research. This is the one thing about Kabbalah. It is impossible to research Kabbalah and come to the conclusion that Judaism is a healthy religion. Impossible. You know why? Because the Freemasonry secrets are based on this doctrine. As a matter of fact, many people that are the subjects of victimization through Freemasonry abuse that is ritual-oriented have received rituals based on Kabbalah that are holding them bondage. Well, my grandfather was a 32nd degree Freemason, Daniel, and I can't understand why my life is continually getting trashed. You may have a problem with Kabbalah. So, We're exposing. Now, we're going to move on. <sighs> it should be added that there is no record of Zohar prior to the 13th century. Now, we want to talk about ancient wisdom, right? Okay, Zohar is ancient wisdom. That's where, you know, you might get sold on it. It's like, it, it, it's, it, it, it's, 
uh, an ancient wisdom that's going to help us to better understand the mysteries of the Bible and the Hebrew language. You know, because actually, if you read Zohar, there is an entire creation story, okay, where all of the Hebrew letters that are living letters come before God one by one, starting at Tav, and make a case for why they should be the basis of the creation. And from Tav all the way to Beit, in this story, God responds to each of the living letters with his reason why he is not going to use them to base the creation until you get to Beit. And at Beit, God says, I will use you. So the first word in the Bible is Bereshit, beginning with the letter Beit, right? And so you have this entire book in the Zohar it's supposed to say, oh, look at this ancient wisdom. We're actually getting a window into why God created the cosmos the way that he did. Wait a minute. But it's the same book that's allowing the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, and the Theosophical Society to conjure up their magic. Is that healthy? Can you really drink from that source in a healthy way? What are you really dealing with there, right? So we have to consider some things carefully. Now, I'm all about living letters because I've had encounters with them. You know, the interesting thing about deception is that it looks like truth <laughs> until. But by, your, by their fruit, you will know them. Now, it should be added that there is of the Zohar prior to the 13th century. I need to say this. There are myths and fables surrounding this text. Some of these myths say this is the rest of what God gave Moses at Mount Sinai. He gave Moses the Torah and the Zohar. But all evidence historically points to the concept that it was written much later in the 13th century, which is articulated in their own databases. Okay? Now, I'm not making this up. So we're going to take a look. I borrowed this from uh, myjewishlearning.com. Who wrote the Zohar? According to traditional Jewish belief, the Zohar was revealed by God to Moses on Sinai, passed down orally until it was written down in the second century by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yohai, known as the Rashbi, also sometimes referred to as Simeon Ben Yohai. From a historical critical perspective, the authorship of the Zohar has been a matter of debate for centuries. Scholars now agree it was written in 13th century Spain, likely by the Castilian Kabbalist Rabbi Moshe de Leon and multiple other authors. The text was apparently written in Aramaic, not a widely used language at the time, in order to create the appearance of having been authored centuries earlier. Really? Now, with all the historical crit critical evidence that confirms upon confirms upon confirms the Christian Bible, you have a body of text that by all accounts and dating and what's available, doesn't even go back before the 13th century, which is the basis of all of this occult stuff, becoming now the center of Judaism, as they call it, the heart of Judaism. What happened? And what does this mean? 
Um, the, the, the truth is that I don't know all the answers to all of these questions because I'm still trying to figure it all out. But this is what I do know. I do know that we have a lot to talk about. Now, as we get into the Zohar, you learn about something known as ten sephiroths, okay? And this is important for you to understand now because weeks down the road when I'm deploying the, some of these terms as I'm explaining some things, you're going to know what I'm talking about. What are sephiroths or sephirotes? Um, so let's take a look at slide. Again, from myjewishlearning.com. The nature of God, known as Ein Sof, the Endless One, is one of the Zohar's central concerns. The ten sephirot, which first appear in pre-Kabbalistic mystical texts, recur in the Zohar. The sephirot are expressions of God's being. They are part of God and also represent the modes through which God relates to the world. These ten aspects of God also serve as a template for human spiritual experience. The Sephirot are Keter, which is the crown, Hokmah, wisdom, Bina, understanding, said mercy. They say Din, justice, uh, Tifret, beauty, Netza, eternity, Had, glory, Yesud, foundation, and Shekinah which is the feminine aspect of God or Malkut, and it actually shows up as Malkut, royalty. Um, this is a picture of what those points look like when they are laid out in a, what they call, tree. And it's a gathering of sacred geometries by which the Sephirots are organized. And we're going to go through next week their mythology, that's what I'm calling it, of creation. Why? Because what we need to understand is that in the occult, this becomes a creation key. I call it a counterfeit creative template. But you cannot understand that until you understand how the Sephirots work into the Kabbalistic mindset. And we're going to go through that so that you can discern. Um, and one of the reasons why we need to discern these things is because when it comes to ritual magic, this template gets overlaid on the human body, somewhat like this. And rituals are done at specific points in order to anchor in a person's structuring, programming, and demonic bondage. Also, opening them up to cosmic traffic as all of these points serve as portals. Why does that make sense? You have to understand Kabbalah in order to begin to understand the problem set that many people have because many people have been ritualized in this way and their bondage is anchored in and, and, and they're the kind of person, right? that I couldn't help three years ago. But I can help you now because in my new book, Advanced Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, there's a prayer called Freedom from the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, which has extraordinarily advanced language that pulls people right out of this tree in about 15 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. 
there's a there's a there, there's a reason for the madness guys <laughs> like i'm not just doing this for no reason like at the end of the day the fruit is people getting breakthrough help and victory in jesus name but you need to know where the problems are all right so here's a sample text from the zohar uh from a book within the zohar called who created these just to give you an idea of how um weird this whole text is listen the entire cre this is this is a quote from this book the entire creation consists of only 10 sephirot yet since every sephira includes all the others and since all of them are interconnected every world degree or sephira includes the properties of all the others and consists of their parts therefore Every sephira consists of Keter, Hokma, Bina, Za, and Malkut. Each of in turn consists of five. In all, five times five times five equals 125 sephirot or steps of the ladder that separate us, the lowest, from the creator, the highest. Now, how many people read that and find that to be extraordinarily like redemptive? Like, wow, that helped me to connect to Jesus a little better. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Numerology, right? Occult gematria, inventing terms by which we're supposed to base our understanding of the creation. So there are Christians now that are turning to Jewish rabbis to help them understand the Hebrew roots of their Christian faith. And they are being trained by rabbis who are initiated in Kabbalah. And now we have Christians getting circumcised because they're returning to the law. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. I have seen this doctrine in Hebrew roots groups that men should get circumcised as grown adults as part of the true understanding of what it means to obey the commandments of Jesus in order to show that you love him. Where's your source? My Bible says there is now neither circumcision or uncircumcision. Oh, Jesus trumps Paul. What's actually underneath if I go down the layers of who taught who taught what? See, there's some stuff going on. There's some stuff going on. So um, at this point, we have to accept that we are being told Kabbalah is the heart of modern-day Judaism. And that one of the key books of Kabbalah, which is Zohar, is a book that wasn't actually dated until the 13th century and has been taken by some of the greatest occultists and most evil organizations in recent history to advance their cause and initiate their adepts. 
Furthermore, in an effort to better understand the Hebrew roots of our faith, well-meaning Christians are turning to Jewish rabbis, many of which are trained in Kabbalah, to get their interpretation of what the Old Testament and Torah really means. Furthermore, did you know that the Schofield Bible and its production was underwritten by Jews? With the dispensational doctrine written into the footnotes in the crown jewel being the pre-tribulation rapture and the absolute dogmatic understanding that Zionist Israel in the Middle East is the fulfillment of all of the prophetic passages in the Old Testament. That's too much for you. That's too deep. Daniel, you're going to have to back up. Now you're really stepping on toes. You can't do that, Dan Duvall. Okay. All right. I'll back up. I get it. We'll come back to that. You're not ready. It's deep. Now, anti-Semitism is a word that anyone who speaks against anything having to do with Zionist Israel gets labeled with, right? Because if I have any issue with Mossad and some of the criminal activity they're doing around the world, okay, which may actually be implicated in what happened with Epstein just this past week, you're not ready, right? But now I'm an anti-Semitic because I said it. Or that it's really anti-Semitic to point out that the star that's on Israel's flag is the same star that's on the Theosophical Society emblem <laughs> with an ankh on the inside and an eternal serpent eating its own tail with an egg in its mouth. Going around it. Oh, no. That's anti-Semitic, Dan Duvall. You can't. You can't say that. Anti, let me explain something. Anti-Semitism means hostility or prejudice against Jews. I have no prejudice against Jews at all. If I meet a Jewish man, I will bless him. If God says, give him a hug, I'm going to give him two. Okay. If God says, tell him about Jesus, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. I'm going to have him over my house. We're going to have a meal. I'll buy their kids toys. I'll do the same for a Muslim. Praise God. Or a Russian, right? I, I am absolutely one of the most non-racist people you will meet. Because most people meet me and don't even know what the heck I am. They're like, you. What, what race are you even? Like, are you white? Are you black? Are you Hispanic? Are you Asian? I've been accused of being Asian. Some people say, are, you know, <laughs> Are you Jewish? Uh, <laughs> votes out. You figure it out, you know? Okay. I, I mean, like, who cares? <laughs> I'm a child of God. I'm not anti-Semitic, but I am not pro-Rothschild, Zionist, conspiracy, political agenda. All right? Um. And, and, and so as I go through this and I break it down and I say, look, Kabbalah is bad stuff. 
Don't say I'm an anti-Semitic. I love Jews. And I believe that the fullness of Israel is going to come in at some point according to the book of Romans. I actually believe this stuff. But there is a deep, 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 dark rabbit hole here surrounding Kabbalah that needs to be exposed. And unfortunately, it's at the heart of Judaism as it is practiced in present day. Okay, now. Having said all of that, next week, we are going to talk about the creation myth associated with Kabbalah and how it employs the ten Sephirah. For now, we're going to close and have conversation, Q&A, and I'm really looking forward to telling half of you, I don't know the answer to your question, but <laughs> we'll hear it anyway. Father God, we thank you for truth. We thank you, Lord God, that you make every crooked path straight, and the things which were done in darkness shall be shouted from the rooftops. We thank you, Lord God, that you are empowering us to know and to see the goodness of your hand and to denounce the works of the devil. Father God, I bless every person here to have uh, clarity regarding things that have been shared. Also, Lord God, I rebuke all spirits of confusion. I thank you that if you are for us, who can be against us, King Jesus, we bless you, the name above every name, for it is at your name that every name must bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Amen. All right. Now, it's time to talk. Um, Hi, Dan. Hey. I um, have always been curious about the Jewish star. Always been a little bit leery of it because what I read uh, in the Bible, I, I don't remember where it is, but about the star of Rimfan. And that's that uh, Jewish star that they have on their flag and, you know, on display, right? So I was right to be a little unsettled about that, huh? Wow. Okay. More than you know. It's, it's it's very plain to me. It was very plain, but you know, uh, holding the, the Jewish people in uh, regard, you know, like they're the chosen people and all that. I was confused about it, you know, that they were, you know, right in everything they did, and except for you know not accepting Christ as a savior, of course, but you know they're. Um, Judaism and everything, you know, we needed to know our roots, our Christian roots, you know, out of Judaism. And you sure did explain that to me really, really good tonight. So I thank you for that, Dan. <laughs> you are welcome. And I will say this, you know, just to kind of whet your appetite, guys. Listen, the six-pointed star is found in the Kabbalah tree. And it is known as Metatron's cube. That is, is the six-pointed star in the tree. And if you look at this picture, which I made, um, I will actually trace the star with my little red marker. So you can see where it actually comes from. This is Metatron's cube. It has its top 
at Da'at, which is knowledge. It's bottom at Yesud, which is the foundation. We'll talk about this later. Um, and it goes across Kesed and Gevora, Had and Netzak. <laughs> at the center is the heart, Tifret. Now, knowledge is at the top. Sexual foundation is at the bottom. This they call a Merkaba, which is a vehicle, a, sur- uh, 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 a wheel within a wheel that Kabbalists use to cross something they call the abyss to ascend to the higher levels. So you go inside of your vehicle to ascend. So if you wanted to activate the world in a massive occult activation into a counterfeit destiny across the abyss, what do you think you might want to put them in? (laughs) Wow. You're going too far, Dandoval. You're going too far. Now you're hurting feelings. I know. I get it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you for your question. It's really, really good. Um, all right. Who else had comments and questions? There was a question a little bit back. Let's see here. Kirsten. Kirsten says, my grandpa was a 32nd degree Freemason, as you say. What can we do now to start getting free from this Kabbalah Kripala? <laughs> well, a few things. Uh, number one, anytime I meet someone whose grandparents were involved in Freemasonry, uh, you want to, number one, renounce Baphomet with the prayer that I call freedom from fallen angel bloodlines and genetics, because Baphomet always finds his way in there. Anytime you're dealing with Freemasonry at a higher level. Number two, you want to use the freedom from human persecutors prayer 2.0 or the ultimate freedom from human persecutors prayer in my new book, advanced prayers to shake heaven and earth regarding that ancestor. In other words, you got a divorced grandpa because His baggage is your baggage. Um, Number three, if there was programming or any kind of occult activations done involving the Kabbalistic tree, you want to get my new prayer, Freedom from the Kabbalah Tree, in my book, Advanced Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, and go through the points. And I have actually 13 points on our little table because what we found is that the, the tree doesn't just have 10 sephira that that's that it's 13 of them and um but not all of them will appear on a traditional table and so go through those and watch what happens um so those are some steps that you can take obviously going through just renunciations and repentance 
for what your past generations has done is always a prerequisite. I mean, you want to repent for witchcraft and sorcery and uh, uh, conspiracy and all kinds of other things that go along with what these Freemasons have done on behalf of your ancestors. Simple repentance and binding and rebuking spirits that have attacked your life because of what they did. Uh, and a lot of that can be done with our Deliverance 101. So I hope some of that helps. But those are just a few points. Who else has questions? Now, someone else asked, so are we not to display the Israel flag as a support of Israel? Well, I mean, if to support Israel, that's your choice. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Um, Victoria Gilmore, I see that you have a little exclamation point up. And so I am going to find you and bring you in. Good evening, Victoria. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Um, um, right. Daniel, got a question about the Merkaba. So the Merkaba is, it's it. The Merkaba, the star of da the Merkaba is centered on the star around the star of David, and it transports because the Merkaba is a transport instrument. It transports from the abyss, which is in the middle of the tree, to the upper part of the tree, which is like ultimate wisdom and understanding. Have I got that right? I believe that's the way it works. Now I'm going to be going through this more thoroughly in future okay. sessions. So if I'm, let me just put this out there. If any of you actually have studied Kabbalah very, very deeply, and that is not correct, then my apologies for not fully understanding this belief system yet, but I think that's how it works. But the Merkaba is is the star of David, is the star of Ramphan. Yes. Is that it? Uh oh, yes. okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, it is. Thank you. Which is why some of you might understand my utter shock and dismay when I found out that certain Christian teachers who will remain unnamed are teaching Christians to ascend into Metatron's cube. Why am I going to ascend into Metatron's cube in order to get closer to Jesus? Yeah. Why don't I interface with the bright and morning star? What do I need Metatron's cube for? What book are you teaching out of? Moving on. Okay. So I'm, I, I'm a very gracious person. I don't demonize everyone that is associated with a thing. I, I just go after the thing and people fall where they will. I mean, many of you know that I am not a pre-trib eschatology guy. I, I believe in... Um, Premillennial, historic premillennialism, right? Basically, what Irenaeus believed, and that is part of what is known as post-trib theology. The church stakes around for the long haul. 
but there are a lot of camps within the post-trib camp. As a matter of fact, everybody has a different understanding of how it plays out at the end of the day. No one is teaching the exact same thing. And, and, and some of it is extremely defeatist and some of it is extremely victorious. I'm far on the victorious side, personally. Here's the thing. You, you, you can't just take a, a term and, a, and, and think that everyone that's under that banner is thinking and moving exactly the same way, ever. Everyone's different. So there, there are going to be some Messianic Jews trenched in this stuff. And there are going to be others that have no idea, in my opinion. I, I just think that you're going to find different people in different places. And that's my personal opinion. Um, this is a great question, okay. though. Those were not new. Um, another question came in. Is Gematria part of Kabbalah? Um, answer, uh -huh. in a very, very big way, yes. Uh, Gematria is a huge part of Kabbalah. And uh, what, what I've found is that uh, Kabbalah has a very twisted way of applying Gematria. Uh, it, it, it's not straightforward at all. And Gematria in Kabbalah is used strategically to prove out certain things that are absolutely anti-biblical, but foundational to their overarching agenda. For instance, they found a way through Kabbalah Gematria to get the serpent and the Messiah to have the same numeric value in Kabbalistic Gematria. So they say the kosher serpent which is the agenda to make the serpent part of God's redemptive agenda for man in the last days. Now that's Kabbalistic gematria. You don't realize you're working with the religion of Antichrist when you're working with Kabbalah. Ah, I'm putting it out there. But this is, this is this, the thing. You know, there are valid ways because all Hebrew letters do have numbers associated with them I, I, I think there is a balance, but this Kabbalistic gematria is absolutely from the pit of hell. And that's why people like Manly P. Hall and Albert Pike, they're leaning on gematria in their Freemasonic initiation to unlock deeper levels of occult science. Excellent. They're using Kabbalah gematria to go where they're going. This is, this, is, this is the reality. So, all right, great question. Great, great, great. Um, all right. So other questions coming in. And I'm just going to read some of these. I don't know all the answers. Is it possible that the Star of Remphan stole that symbol from God's people, just like the Zodiac was stolen from Maseroth? Um, if that was the case, why would God in the book of Acts chapter 7 rebuke the people that were worshiping the star? or using it. Also in the book of, I believe, Malachi, but I have to double check that. Um, in every case in which the star of Remphan is being addressed in the Bible, 
it is a rebuke. And so if it was stolen, then my question would be, why? Uh, Acts 7.43 says, you also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. You know, so, yeah. That's, that's my, that's my thing. Um, <coughs> next, let's see. Someone said, I separate, I celebrate Rosh Hashanah at a temple every year. The rabbi is Messianic Jewish. So many people from my church go there. Now, this is where I think things get really interesting, okay? Because I'm a balanced student of the word. I actually study everything. The Bible talks about the feasts of Yah, the feasts of God. In the book of Leviticus, they are not called the Feast of Israel. This is true. And God made them to stand forever. So heaven sets their calendar by these feasts. Are the feasts evil? They cannot be evil because God made them holy forever. So here's what I find people doing. They point out that Christians are celebrating Ishtar on Easter and eating Ishtar eggs. And they say, you Christians are just deceived. You need to follow the Jewish feasts because they're actually the feasts of Yah and they're holy. Why would you use the occultist holiday when you can use God's appointed times? But who's saying that? Hebrew roots. So the moment we buy into this, which I actually think the feasts are great. It's everything coming behind it as well. Before you know it, you're reading more Torah than Peter, James, Paul, or Jesus, and you're getting circumcised and you're 35. And I've watched the people get on this slippery slope a bunch of times now over the years, and I've scratched my head trying to figure out what's the underlying, how does this happen? How does this happen? But at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything wrong with the feasts. I think they're great. And I think that they are appointed like, like, and holy. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, other thoughts? There's so many comments here. I cannot follow all these comments. Okay. Someone asked, what do I think about the Bible code? <laughs> well, here's the problem with the Bible code. Did you know that if you use the Bible code to find terms like Jehovah is a liar, you will find them in the Bible code, just like any other search term that you use. Um, 
there are phenomena with the Bible code that are, they seem divinely inspired and appointed and like wow factor. There are other things people have used the Bible code to find that are absolutely against the teaching of the overarching scripture or the revelation of God. And so what do you do? That's what I think. Um, we're out of time. There's going to be more in one week. Just pray that I have enough time to put together all my notes because I have tons. It's just organizing it so that I can help you understand what I'm saying. That's the hard part. So pray for me. Guys, we are going to see you next week at Bridewood's Street. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, like our video, and share this with friends. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.